What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. And today's episode is brought to you by NFL Game Pass. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. See all the action from every game with full game replays. You can also replay an entire game and catch all of the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. Just go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. Before we get started, we are two writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, Slam Diego's top sports blogs, and we've been covering the Chargers for over five seasons now doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly during the season. And now this is our third season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What's up, guys? Welcome back, and thank you for the first-time listeners today and everyone who decided to come back and all of our loyal fans. We really appreciate you. Before we get started, I just want to say that I know that there's no intro right now. Uh, We're dealing with some copyright things and just trying to cover all of our bases to make sure we're not ruffling any feathers. So we'll have a brand-new intro coming to you guys soon, hopefully using a lot of the same parts that you guys liked. But if you guys have any audio clips or something you want to be on the intro, go ahead and hit us up at locked on LAC if you get any good sound clips that you like but let's get into today's show because we have a lot to get into I know yesterday we said we might have a former Chiefs offensive lineman on the show we were supposed to do that and couldn't get connected with him for an interview so I'm sure we'll have another chance later on in the season so we're doing a little bit of an audible on today's show maybe a play action pass today pulling one back and we're going to go with the biggest overreactions after week one. There was a Bolt B article from Tyler Gallagher that was going over six overreactions from Sunday's game. And I think there was a ton of overreaction all over social media. So we'll be getting into that in the second and third segments. We'll be splitting it up. But some of the topics on there were Tyrod Taylor needing to be benched as well as Joshua Kelly not only being better than Justin Jackson and higher on the depth chart, but maybe the 1B to Austin Eckler's 1A. So before we get into that, we're going to start with the news that the Chargers have officially put Drew Tranquil on injured reserve, and they also brought in a linebacker from their practice squad to maybe take some of those snaps and help fill in where the team is short right now. And then the Chargers also worked out five running backs. Yes, you heard that right. Five running backs, so we're going to be getting into that. All of those guys and which one of those guys could potentially stick around or which one of these guys has the best shot of maybe coming in for the Chargers and what it means for Justin Jackson. But let's go ahead and get into it. On Tuesday, the Los Angeles Chargers officially put linebacker Drew Tranquil on injured reserve, and they brought in some players for workouts and also a player up from their practice squad to try to fill in with some depth. This is Daniel Wade joined by David Drogmeyer with your Locked on Chargers lead story. The Chargers were very active on Tuesday, and it started with them officially placing linebacker Drew Tranquil on injured reserve, according to the team's website. But injured reserve is a little bit different than we have seen in years past. Now, you only have to be out for three games to be able to come back to the team. And the team can bring back as many players as they want from injured reserve instead of the limited number they were able to in years past. I do not think he's going to be out for only three weeks, but... One of the corresponding moves for the Chargers after that was them bringing up Asmar Bilal from the practice squad. This was an undrafted free agent from Notre Dame, and it makes a lot of sense that the Chargers, David, would look on their own team to try to find some help at linebacker just because we know that Drew Tranquil is going to be out a while. Yeah, he definitely is. He broke his fibula, you know, a bone in his leg, so that's going to take considerable amount of time for that to heal there's no timetable Anthony Lynn did say that he's not ruling him out for the season but they just don't have any realistic timetable on when to expect him back so 
getting a guy from the practice squad makes a lot of sense. There was a lot of questions about how they were going to try to fill the vacancy of Drew Tranquil on the roster, and that manifested itself in part in the form of Asmar Bilal from the practice squad to the active roster. The Chargers replace one fighting Irishman with another one. Asmar Bilal is a six foot two, 230-pound linebacker. The Chargers also brought in linebacker Malik Jefferson on Tuesday for a workout to see if he was possibly the answer there. It makes a lot of sense for the Chargers to do that in this crazy season with COVID-19. They're going to bring back players that are familiar. And Malik Jefferson spent the 2020 offseason with the Chargers and was in camp with them, but got cut uh, and did not make the 53-man roster. Although, because Asmar Bilal got promoted to the 53-man roster, it seems like Malik Jefferson, although has not been signed yet, is a prime candidate to potentially take that practice squad spot. It would not surprise me at all. It is a little bit surprising that Malik Jefferson, who was from the Bengals and a third-round pick by the Bengals, still hasn't been able to catch on with the team at this point. But I do think he could likely end up on the practice squad or one of these guys could end up on the practice squad because the Chargers also worked out five running backs on Tuesday. And they included Jordan Scarlett, Brian Harrion, Troy Pope, Bilal Powell, and John Hilleman. The Chargers obviously are looking for a running back to potentially bring in, and you have to wonder whether or not it has to do with Justin Jackson, who injured his quad last weekend against the Bengals. And Anthony Lynn had said he was day-to-day at this point, but maybe they're a little bit more concerned, David, or maybe they're potentially thinking about even bringing in four running backs to the active roster. Yeah, it's not something that I would be surprised if they did do, Daniel. I mean, this is a team that said they want to run the football a lot and are very committed to doing so. But it seems like the Chargers have definitely lost some confidence in Justin Jackson's ability to stay healthy, bringing in several running backs. One of those is Troy Mayne Pope, who had spent time with the Chargers last year in 2019, played in 14 games, but was only used very sparingly. He had 10 carries for 20 yards. The biggest name and the name that's probably the most familiar to you that the Chargers brought in for a workout is nine-year NFL veteran running back Bilal Powell. The 31-year-old had spent his whole career with the New York Jets, which he had worked with Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn while he was with the Jets, and he is by far the most experienced player that they brought in. In 109 games, he has 3,675 rushing yards, good for a 4.3-yard per carry average with 15 touchdowns. He also adds 211 receptions for 1,600 yards and 7.6 yards per reception average. With Justin Jackson not being able to complete a full NFL season in his NFL career. It seems like the Chargers are looking for some insurance policy just in case Justin Jackson's injury is a little bit more severe than they might have anticipated. Or even for if he gets injured later on in the season because of the fact that he hasn't been able to stay out there. So you just know that the Chargers are looking outwards and don't necessarily feel comfortable enough with the guys in their practice squad. Someone like Darius Bradwell, who came into camp with the Chargers this season. Troy Mayne Pope was an undrafted free agent that made the roster for the Chargers last year, but a couple of the other guys, John Hilleman was with the Giants last year and had 30 carries for 91 yards. Jordan Scarlett was a fifth-round pick for the Carolina Panthers and ended up getting waived this season by the new regime after spending three years at Florida. And Brian Harrion was a backup 
for the Georgia Bulldogs, who ended up playing behind DeAndre Swift and Nick Chubb at his time in Georgia and was basically a career backup for them. But the Chargers are looking far and wide for running backs. And if they are bringing in this many players, you would have to think it could be only a matter of time before they end up signing one of these guys to a contract to make their running back group a little deeper. But we do have two more segments to get into. We're going to get into the biggest overreactions from Game 1 against the Cincinnati Bengals, including if Tyrod Taylor should be benched, Joshua Kelly's new role on the team, and much more coming up right after this. But first, this season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all of the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all of the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archive. Just go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. All right, since we couldn't do an interview tonight with a former Chiefs offensive lineman going into this matchup, I was looking for things to talk about on today's show. And one of the things that stood out to me was an article by Bolt Beat by Tyler Gallagher talking about the six biggest overreactions after week one of the Chargers season. And if you are on social media at all, I'm sure a lot of you are in Chargers groups, follow the Chargers on Twitter and are part of Chargers Twitter. I think you could see how much overreaction there was, or maybe you agree with it. Maybe it's just the the proper reaction. But I think there was definitely a lot of storylines coming out of week one. And Gallagher here is kind of rating how concerned everyone should be and if these are overreactions or not. And it starts with Tyrod Taylor, and it has two on this one. 1A is Tyrod Taylor needs to be benched. And overreaction 1B is Tyrod Taylor will not be more than a bridge quarterback in the NFL. And he put it in here as well. Those are two very, very different things, right? I mean, there are a multitude of reasons that, that we've outlined before that we don't think that Justin Herbert is ready to go in yet. I mean, Tyrod Taylor obviously had a rough week one, but just like what happened in Cleveland, I mean, you don't want to be the team that doesn't really let him get his feet underneath him. It's his first year with Shane Steichen as his offensive coordinator playing as a starter for the Chargers. So there's a lot to get accustomed to, and he didn't have the most ideal way of getting into this season with COVID-19. But So he does mention that Taylor in his first game had 16 completions on 30 attempts for 208 yards, zero touchdowns, and zero interceptions. And what he ended up having as his verdict was that the first one was an overreaction that Taylor should be benched right now, but the second one was not an overreaction about him being just a bridge quarterback. And David, obviously the Chargers didn't try to extend Tyrod Taylor or anything like that. And it's hard, I mean, based on this one game we've seen so this season, to talk about whether or not he is a starting quarterback or can be like an average starting quarterback in the NFL. But what do you think? Do you think this is a re- overreaction by the Chargers fans on social media, or do you think these things are actually true? I mean, first of all, it's definitely an overreaction by the Chargers fan base. Let's be honest about this. I mean, it's one football game. And yes, he just got this opportunity to be the starting quarterback of the Chargers. He has not had this many weapons ever in any place he's ever started. You know, he's never had a guy like Keenan Allen. He's never had Austin Eckler. He's never had 
a great tight end like Hunter Henry. He actually has two great wide receivers and Mike Williams as well. It seems like he has a pretty good rapport with thus far. But which, yeah, I do not believe it's an overreaction. I think you got to give him some more time to show what he's capable of doing. I mean, think about this. I mean, there are guys out there that once given an opportunity took made the most of that opportunity and turned their bridge quarterback status into a lot of money a la guys like Ryan Tannehill and Teddy Bridgewater I mean Teddy Bridgewater played a few games for the Saints last year and got massively paid and yeah Ryan Tannehill took his team to the AFC championship game and that's why he got massively paid but he was a backup both of these guys were not expected to be the guy for those teams and they got an opportunity and they made the most of it that's why you can't have a knee-jerk reaction like this and you got to give it more time give him more time to gel get give him more time to get that connection with his receivers and with his coordinators and i think you'll have a little bit better result but hey daniel Less turnovers, no matter what, from Tyrod Taylor, and that can't be seen as anything other than a good thing. Yeah, and David, one of the things he outlined in this, too, is just that the offense got a lot better as the game progressed. I mean, the last three drives of the first half, they had over 150 yards. I mean, that's pretty good for three drives. I think you'd like to average 50 yards per drive. Obviously, at the end of it, only settling for six points out of those possessions is not something that you're cool with, but it is what it is at this point. I think that it, there's somewhere in between Tyrod Taylor is not a good quarterback, and he also just hasn't had enough time yet to find success. There's definitely some deficiencies in his game, and I think it's an overreaction to bench him right now just because of what benching him entails. I mean, yeah. having Justin Herbert go in there right now, and he talks about this as well, like he's probably not ready. If one of his problems in college was – being able to read and digest NFL defenses fast enough and make good decisions with the football, it's hard to know that he's going to be able to do that right now when he hasn't played in any preseason game or any NFL game at this point. If the Chargers season's out the window and you want to see what you have and you're happy with this progression, you throw him in there. But Tyrod Taylor might just be a bridge quarterback. He might just be a game-managing you know, backup quarterback who can get you a four and four record if your quarterback goes down with an injury. I think probably that's what he's best suited for. But with this Chargers team and in certain scenarios, that's more than enough. And I think we will see a better offensive output from the Chargers. And I also think that play calling had a lot to do with it too. I mean, let's not act like they really tried to embody Tyrod Taylor's strengths in this game to the definitely fullest not. extent. So I definitely think that part's an overreaction, benching him. Him being a bridge quarterback, that might be true. But the next overreaction is Joshua Kelly has not only passed Justin Jackson as RB2, but he has risen to be an RB1B next to <laughs> Austin Eckler. So that's oh, hence pretty confusing. But basically that Austin Eckler is the 1A Joshua Kelly is the 1B. Basically, they are the split lead running back for the team. And I definitely think this one's an overreaction. I mean, Joshua Kelly played extremely well. I think he blew away everybody's expectations. And I think really what it comes down to is how you look at the running back position. One thing that kind of upset me is just the thought of, you know, we're getting our running backs touches, right? So if we're talking about touches and Austin Eckler is leading them in touches, I mean, obviously, you know, that makes him kind of the lead back. That's the most important running back to their offense. But to hear that, you know, he's just going to get touches and acting like, you know, running it between the tackles with Austin Eckler is the same as trying to run a pass route with him or setting something up for him to get out in space, I think is absolutely ludicrous. And I think we'll see more receptions from him. But this is about Joshua Kelly. And I think 
just with his consistency and his availability, he might be ahead of Joshua Kelly, but it's also the production. I mean, Anthony Lynn has mentioned that he's going to ride the hot hand at some times this season. And in that game, Joshua Kelly had the hot hand. With Austin Eckler, I think he's one of those players that you keep running it with him for the chances he's going to pop one off, right? Because every time he touches it, if he gets just a little window, he has a chance to get a big chunk play, but he also has a chance to get two yards and nothing else, you know? So, David, do you think this is an overreaction that now Joshua Kelly and Austin Eckler are co-lead running backs? Totally an overreaction. I mean, come on. Again, it's the same thing as Tyrod Taylor. It's one football game. Yeah, was he exciting? Was was he productive? Did he go out there and do some good things that you liked? Absolutely he did. I mean, you loved, you loved everything that you saw from Joshua Kelly. He's a physical runner. He's going to run you over, and he's going to do it with a smile on his face. This kid loves playing football. You can tell he's having a great time out there. But to say that he's the like lead back or 1B one, one to Eckler's 1A, I think is also a bit insane. I mean, I think the Chargers need to use Austin Eckler more to his strengths. I mean, hello, 90-plus receptions last year, and he got one target in that game. That's that cannot happen. That just cannot happen going forward. Not all touches are the same. You got to give these guys touches in places that they're going to impact the football game the most. And we know that Austin Eckler does that best when he is catching the ball out in the flat or he's just catching the ball, period. He makes people miss and he can take it the distance. He is a home run hitter for sure. But do I think that they're going to give a lot more carries to Joshua Kelly? Yes, I do. I think he's earned that. I think, you know, until he does not have that momentum going forward and he doesn't he's not performing like he did before, I think there's no reason to give him more touches. And also it's just the uncertainty of knowing what Justin Jackson's gonna bring to the table or if they're gonna bring somebody else in his stead. So I think definitely an overreaction, but I think you can definitely be excited about what you've seen from Joshua Kelly so far. Well, and I think Joshua Kelly could be the, you know, split running back in between the tackles carries. I mean, it would not surprise me at all if Joshua Kelly gets more carries in some of these games than Austin Eckler does. But we also didn't really get to see two running backs on the field at the same time, which is something that we are promised as well. So getting into the next overreaction, this one on the defensive side of the ball is forget a Justin Jones breakout. Jerry Tillery is taking that role and is going to have a massive sophomore surge and obviously this is based on the fact that Jerry Tillery got a sack and a tackle for loss in game one and he was disruptive the whole game he was getting good penetration he was able to do a lot of really good things and he just seemed very active in the game and David obviously the pass rush was very nice for the Chargers last week and it was one of the main reasons their defense was so good in week one but it's hard to pump the brakes on this one just because you want Jerry Tillery to be good so bad and obviously you know we have high hopes for him But at the same time, yeah, of course we have to wait a little bit longer. You definitely should wait a little bit longer, too, because one of the main points that they put in this article to say that you need to pump the brakes a little bit is that – Jerry Tillery is very hot and cold. He's very boomer bust, and that was very prevalent in his tape. Whenever we watched tape on Jerry Tillery before the Chargers drafted him and we were talking about him on our draft shows before, this happened a lot. I mean, you'd see games where he'd have two or three sacks and just absolutely wreck the game, and then you'd have two or three games where he just completely disappeared. So I, I can't anoint him, you know, having a great, 
sophomore season until I see more games and more consistency with him being able to stay out there. I mean, but hey, he looks good. I mean, he he looks like he's put on some good weight. He looks strong. He seems like he has a better, more improved motor, which is all good things that are going to help him perform better at this level. But you got to go show me. You got to show me consistently, but you got to love what you see in the first game. Hopefully he takes that momentum into game two and further on in the season. Yeah, he obviously has to get a bigger sample size for it. And I still think there's some other things like, can he still hold the point of attack if they're running the ball right at him? And I don't know if we have a sufficient sample size for that as an all-around defensive tackle. I mean, obviously he is a pass rush specialist, but at the same time, you need to be more than that if you're going to get snaps on this defensive line. So if he has to complete his full game, not just the pass rushing, but like you're talking about in college, he had four sacks in one game against Stanford, but that was like half of his season sacks, even though he put a very impressive number. So getting that consistency will obviously be key for Jerry Tillery. But we do have a couple more set, but we do have one more segment to get into. We're going to continue with these overreactions, including the next one, which is Shane Steichen is worse as an offensive coordinator than Ken Wisenhunt. Coming up right after this, but first I need to tell you guys that if you're looking for any kind of auto part, that there's only one place to go, and that is rockauto.com. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that that you can use for other important things like the mortgage or food. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, 100% more for the exact same auto part as a chain store or a new car dealership when you could go to rockauto.com who has the best selection to choose from and is going to give you the best price. And nobody really wants to go searching around from store to store getting something that they're looking for, looking through a little book to see which part goes... (laughs) to see where your part is in the store and what you need for it. I mean, that's not fun at all. Get it delivered directly to your house. And with rockauto.com, the catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. All you have to do is go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts they have available for your car or truck and write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. All right, well, it's time to get into the next overreaction from the six biggest overreactions from the Chargers' first game against the Bengals. And this one is Shane Steichen is worse as an offensive coordinator than Ken Wisenhunt. And Ken Wisenhunt, just like a lot of other Chargers' offensive coordinators, has frustrated us throughout the years. And, I mean, he had some good times and some bad times, to be sure. But to think that Shane Steichen through one game is worse than Ken Wisenhunt, I think, is ridiculous. I mean, if you look at the numbers last year and what the Chargers did offensively after Ken Wisenhunt left midseason, I mean, especially running the football, they were so, so much better. I mean, Ken Wisenhunt was the offensive coordinator during the four-game stretch of less than 40 rushing yards, which is ridiculous. So, David, I do think Shane Steichen does have a lot of blame to take from this game, I mean, as it mentions in this article, I mean, you did not get Tyrod Taylor out on the move. You did not get Austin Eckler in good spots with the football. And I will say there was good coverage by the linebackers and the defense on Austin Eckler when he was running out to the flats. There was still a defender out there. It's not like he was running wide open, but you still like your chances with him. And then also Keenan Allen, four for 37. That's not a great start for him, especially just because you know how open he is constantly getting. So, Obviously, David, I think Shane Steichen does deserve a lot of the blame for the Chargers' offensive struggles, but I do think we kind of have to bear with it a little bit. 
Yeah, you definitely have to bear with it a little bit for sure because although they're not installing a whole new offense, which we were kind of led to believe, they are still making several changes, and they have a new quarterback under center for the first time in 15 years. So whether you like it or not, this is a different style of offense. But I do think that he needs to put put his playmakers in better positions to succeed. Getting only four catches for Keenan is something you can't really see going forward. It seemed like he was looking for Henry and, and for Mike Williams more, which I don't have a problem with him targeting the tight ends. I mean, Hunter Henry is a good option. I've said multiple times that he is a great catalyst for this offense, but Keenan Allen is always open, and you got to get him the football. I mean, you got to feed him more often. And also, I just want to see some some more movement and more play action, more uh, more screens. I mean, that's something we didn't see at all. You got to give give get give these playmakers the ball in space. Let them go make plays for you. That's not something that we've seen. But I think you're going to have some growing pains with a new offensive coordinator, a guy that is in his first full year as a coordinator at the NFL level. You just got to give it more time. Let him find his groove. And I think like with the most play callers and with most and just with most things in general the more you do it the better your muscle memory becomes the better you're going to do at performing at your job yeah and I think really all you want at the end of the day is for the Chargers to work with what they have and find an offense that's successful that way I mean you saw several plays like Tyrod Taylor rolling out to his right and hitting Jalen Guyton on third down I think Daniel Popper said the Chargers ran 15% more play action in their first game than they were doing last season on average with Phillip Rivers. So obviously that's a start, but I was surprised to see how much shotgun there was. There was, I think 70% of their plays came out of 11 formation, which is one tight end, three wide receivers and run running back. I mean, you thought you'd maybe see some more double tight end, which I think was the second most they ran, but I think that they're showing you what kind of offense they want to be. But at the same time, where are the jet sweeps? Where is the movement to get some of these guys open? There's a beautiful play, a little rollout to get Keenan Allen the ball where he comes all the way across the formation and just had a good yards after catch opportunity. I think More got eight that, or nine please. yards after it. I mean, those plays were working for the Chargers. And later on in the game, at some points, they were doing it a lot better. But you have to be able to you know, find some sort of medium to knowing that these guys aren't going to produce at the same level they have been, but still not neglecting, you know, your best pass catchers, Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen, with both of those guys have been such big reasons for when this offense has been successful in the past. So, and two guys you've just paid a lot of money to in the offseason, too. For sure. And I think it's somewhere in between blaming Tyrod Taylor and blaming Shane Steichen and maybe blaming the execution of some other, you know, players, the offensive line and receivers as well. But, Definitely. We just have to kind of ride it out for a little bit. We definitely don't have the full picture of what this is going to be. And David, I know you're happy about this overreaction or maybe not an overreaction because this is even without Derwin James, the LA Chargers have a top five defense. And what he says on here is not an overreaction. I know that was you know one of your bold predictions and something that you've been saying that the Chargers could do. So I definitely know you do not think this is an overreaction. I do not. When I read this, I was like, man, that looks awfully familiar. This guy must be pretty intelligent after all. No, I'm just kidding. But, no, I do really believe that the Chargers have all the talent in the world, and I think they showcased some of that on Sunday when they got three sacks and two different turnovers, an, an interception and a forced fumble. I think that's the that's the kind of ability that, the, that these guys have. They have playmakers up and down the defense. From the defensive line, you have several guys that you feel comfortable that can get after the quarterback and that can also be stout in the run game. You have a couple of linebackers 
linebackers that are fast and ferocious that can move all over the football field. You're very excited about Kenneth Murray. I think you feel good about Kaiser White as long as he can stay healthy. Seems like his role might change. You might get more uh, of an opportunity out there on the defense. And then, of course, the safeties and corners you feel great about. You can, yeah, I honestly would match our safety and corners up against anybody in the National Football League. I am that confident in that group. So, yes, I totally believe that this is not an overreaction. The Chargers have an incredible defense. But are they going to be able to stay off the field enough for them to stay fresh, meaning is the offense going to be able to keep themselves on the field and keep that defense fresh for them to be able to go out there and continue doing their thing? Yeah, and I'm going to say that it is an overreaction. I do think the offensive success is going to have something to do with it, but I don't think I agree with you on the safety side of it. I don't know if we've seen this safety group tested yet. I mean, you have Rayshon Jenkins playing strong safety starting a strong safety for the first time in his career for a full season. You have Nazir Adderley, who's going into his second game playing the position as a pro. And, of course, I'm high on Nazir Adderley, but I also am not naive enough to think that those guys got tested in week one. I definitely don't think they did. I saw a couple of broken coverages. Chargers got lucky on a couple of balls in the end zone that would have been touchdowns that the Chargers got a little bit lucky on. So I think there's a lot we haven't really got to see from this defense, and I also feel like, after next week against the Chiefs, a lot of people aren't going to be saying this. I mean, that's not going to be something people are thinking if they go out and have a bad week. So I think this is definitely one week of a really, really good game. And I think they did have a good game, except for a couple of scenarios. But I don't think we've fully seen the effect of not having Derwin James is going to have on this team. Uh, they did go up against a pretty good wide receiver group. But I also don't think we've seen how this linebacker core is going to play out without Drew Tranquil. So not knowing those two big question marks, I'm definitely going to say this is an overreaction right now. Let's not you know make it seem like the Bengals were a really, really good offense. They had a lot of good players, and they were definitely better in years past. But I think we have to pump the brakes a little bit on this Chargers defense, even knowing there is a ton of talent on there. But getting to the last one, which is Keenan Allen is not a number one receiver in this offense. And David, he was third in the Chargers in receiving yards and tied for third in receptions, tied for second, I guess, with receptions with four with Mike Williams. But obviously not a great game from Keenan Allen. Four receptions for 37 yards is not going to have Keenan very happy. You know he wants it more. There's also the play where he gets open in the end zone. Tyra Taylor misses it, and, you know, he's talking about you know, barbecuing some chicken in the end zone with his DB. So I think that in this offense, they still have to kind of figure out how they're going to get Keenan Allen the ball more, but they have to do much better than that because you know Keenan Allen is getting open more than the eight targets that he had on Tyrod Taylor's 30 passing attempts. So I do think that Keenan Allen is going to be the number one receiver in this offense at the end of the day, but it does seem like Mike Williams and Tyrod Taylor do have a connection. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, you look at the stats of this game and you say, oh, Hunter Henry's got, you know, 70 plus yards, but he got most of that on one play. He got 36 yards off of one play. So, yeah. And then you look at Mike Williams. Obviously, it looks like they have a pretty good connection, but he's a, a big play wide receiver. He's a guy that goes up and gets the football and he makes those big plays all the time. So he's more of a he's most mostly a feast or famine type of guy. He could have the three catches for the 60, 70, 80 yards, but he's not going to do that. He's not going to have, you know, consistently you know, big catch number games like Keenan Allen is capable of doing. We know Keenan Allen's going to get open 
repeatedly and pretty much against any corner that he wants to. We know that he he can cook anybody on that defensive side of the of the ball. I think it's just going to take some time for Tyrod and him to get that connection and feel that in the game. I do think Keenan will get his touches because he's just too good not to. Well, I think we were all a little bit surprised that Tyrod Taylor threw the ball 30 times. I mean, they ran the ball 39 times, so it's not as if that was, you know, they were leaning so heavily on the passing game. But you would think if they're going to air it out that many times that Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler would combine for more than five catches for 40 yards when both of those guys, I mean, had 90-plus receptions last year and almost had 1,000 yards each, and Keenan Allen was well over it. So, that has to be a number that changes. It's hard to tell right now if it's just Tyrod Taylor's inability to look for anyone outside of Hunter Henry in the middle of the field. But Keenan Allen had eight targets. A couple of them were uncatchable. And I think that that's something that has to improve. Keenan Allen is no doubt about it, the number one wide receiver on this team. And you know that Anthony Lynn has said before, like he goes into the offensive coordinator's office and the offensive coaching staff and he says, feed Keenan Allen. He blocks. Right. So, I mean, the Chargers are definitely invested financially and emotionally for Keenan Allen to try to get him more involved and keep him happy because he is a type of player that really feeds on his own success and feeds off of staying involved in the offense. I mean, to have him going the long stretches we saw on Sunday without being involved in the game plan when he is such a good receiver, I think is something that has to change. And I expect him to get a lot of targets, probably paying some catch up this week against the Kansas City Chiefs. But that is going to wrap things up for today's show. Tomorrow is crossover Thursday. So we're going to be talking with the Locked On Chiefs. I mean, we had to talk to those smug guys over there about how good their team is. So much fun. But until then, make sure to go follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like the Facebook page, Locked On Chargers, as well as subscribing to us wherever you get your podcast from, whether it's a follow on Spotify or subscribing on Apple Podcasts. We would really appreciate it. If you guys want to get on the next voicemail show, the number is 323-524-7924, and we try to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show. But that is going to do it for today's show, guys. Make sure to come back tomorrow for Crossover Thursday with the Locked On Chiefs. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts.